The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine containing topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month... At 7 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time on Sunday, July 10th, 2011, the opening session of the 50th Annual Conference and Convention of the American Council of the Blind was called to order by ACB President Mitch Pomerantz. Ladies and gentlemen, let me call the 50th Annual Conference and Convention of the American Council of the Blind to order. Our theme is apropos. ACB in the Silver State, Golden Past, Diamond Future, and this week you'll learn about our past and you'll find out about our future. After extending several special thank yous and acknowledgments, President Pomerantz delivered his annual report to the Assembly. Portions of that report form the entire content of ACB reports for August 2011. In more than one respect, the convening of the 2011 Conference and Convention of the American Council of the Blind is a historic event. It marks the culmination of one of the most memorable years ACB has experienced, both in terms of our legislative success and our growing influence in the advocacy arena here and internationally. Tonight's opening session also marks the 50th anniversary of the founding of ACB in Kansas City, Missouri in July 1961. Whether you are present in this ballroom or listening on ACB radio, you will be participating in and part of a grand celebration. This celebration concludes a tremendously successful year since the 2010 convention and 50 years as the most democratic consumer advocacy organization of blind and visually impaired people in this nation. I begin my report by bringing to your attention ACB's newest affiliate, the Idaho Council of the Blind, and its dynamic president, Darren Cheney. As I indicated at the outset, 2010 was a historic year for ACB with the passage and signing of the Pedestrian Safety Enhancement Act and the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act. Much has been written and said about both bills, so I won't rehash events. Also, I don't want to steal the thunder of ACB's Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs, Eric Bridges. I would, however, be remiss 
If I failed to make a few remarks as a follow-up to last year's legislative victories. While the National Federation of the Blind claims most of the public credit for passage of the quiet car bill, I tell you unequivocally that without Eric's tireless and diplomatic efforts, this landmark legislation would never have been enacted. For well over a year, I've participated via teleconference in a series of monthly meetings with a group comprised of automotive engineers from the major manufacturers here in the United States. And just a little over three weeks ago, I made a whirlwind one-day visit to Kalamazoo, Michigan to attend a meeting with representatives from General Motors and O&M faculty from Western Michigan University to receive an update on activities related to developing an appropriate sound for GM hybrid and electric cars. The 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act, which thankfully is being referred to these days as the CCVAA, has resulted in fairly swift action on the part of the Federal Communications Commission. In late 2010, the FCC established an advisory body to assist in the drafting of final rules for the CCVAA. ACB has a total of five representatives on that body, with Melanie Brunson, Louis Herrera, Marlena Lieberg, Pratik Patel, and Joel Snyder speaking for our interests. During our 2011 legislative seminar in February, ACB was pleased to honor four members of Congress, Senators John Kerry, Democrat, Massachusetts, and Mark Pryor, Democrat, Arkansas, and Representatives Ed Towns, Democrat, New York, and Ed Markey, Democrat, Massachusetts, with special awards for their instrumental roles in championing the aforementioned bills through the legislative process and ultimately into statute. As you have heard me say, ACB is a grassroots organization where you, the membership, determine the advocacy road we travel. As a result of several resolutions passed at the 2010 convention, Eric and Pratik have met with officials from Google, Facebook, Microsoft, and Sprint. They have gone to company headquarters and established solid working relationships with all of them. These tech giants are beginning to consult with ACB to make their products and services fully accessible to persons who are blind or visually impaired. These valuable relationships are in the formative stages of development and are the direct result of the resolutions passed last year by you, the members of ACB. But 
We will not rest upon our legislative laurels. ACB is embarking on three new legislative initiatives, which will be every bit as challenging as our previous efforts. The first initiative involves passage of H.R. 860, which was introduced in March by John B. Larson of Connecticut. This bipartisan legislation would amend the Eternal Revenue Code of 1986 to promote charitable donations of qualified vehicles. Since enactment of more restrictive regulations six years ago, cash contributions to ACB and the more than 20 affiliates participating in the vehicle donation program have plummeted significantly. Hence, passage of H.R. 860 is vital. The second initiative concerns access to prescription drug labeling. If you need proof of the importance of this issue, let me relate something which I learned just a little over a week ago. A longtime member of the California Council of the Blind fell in his shower, breaking ribs and puncturing a lung. The cause of his fall? Apparently that morning, he'd mixed up his prescriptions and took one of them twice. Yes, he'll be okay, but is there any doubt why we must have prescription labeling in accessible formats? The effort is gaining serious congressional attention, and there is a strong chance that a bill with bipartisan support will be introduced this summer. While Lainey Feingold and Linda Dardarian are making strides in this area through structured negotiations, ACB believes that federal legislation is absolutely necessary to address this issue once and for all. Our third initiative relates to the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, which for some bizarre reason is only called the CMS, and its exclusion of coverage for low vision aids and durable medical equipment, which again, fortunately, we refer to as DME. Currently, CMS regulations state that all devices, quote, irrespective of their size, form, or technological features that use one or more lens to aid vision or provide magnification of images for impaired vision, end quote, are excluded from Medicare coverage based on the statutory, quote, eyeglass exclusion. In plain English, this means that while CMS will pay for devices to aid persons with physical disabilities, it will not pay for devices such as handheld magnifiers, video monitors, and other equipment which use lenses to allow blind and visually impaired people to remain independent. Interestingly, CMS will not pay for white canes either. So if someone here has a cane with a lens, please let me see it. I'm dying of curiosity. 
ACB is committed to amending this so-called lens exclusion. We are developing a coalition of agencies, vendors, and organizations to join with ACB, similar to the coalition effort which resulted in getting our telecommunications bill passed. We know that this effort will take time, but we will be around for as long as it takes to achieve victory. Let me turn to one of the most successful and long-standing ACB activities because 2011 marks the 16th year of our partnership with Laney Feingold and Linda Dardarian to promote access to promote access for blind and visually impaired persons through the process of structured negotiations. ACB has signed a historic agreement with the American Cancer Society, which will provide information in Braille, large print, audio CD, MP3 format, and accessible PDFs. The ACS website will also be updated to comply with accessibility standards. Last August, a lawsuit was filed on behalf of the California Council of the Blind and three California plaintiffs against JetBlue Airways for its inaccessible websites and kiosks which cannot be used by persons who are blind and visually impaired. No one else's can be accessed either. JetBlue has refused to participate in structured negotiations and is currently asking the court to dismiss the case. Monitoring an entity's compliance with existing structured negotiations agreements is crucial to the overall process and involves ACB members utilizing the services of those entities. Agreements currently being monitored actively include an accessibility agreement with Major League Baseball, MLB, to assure that its website, including its radio and TV service, as well as its applications for the iPhone and iPad, are accessible. A number of long-standing tactile point-of-sale agreements with national retail chains, CVS, Target, Staples, Radio Shack, and Best Buy. Blind people should never be required to give their PIN or other confidential information to a clerk at any of these retailers in order to use a debit card. And if this occurs, Laney and Linda need to know about it right away. Agreements related to accessible websites for the three major credit reporting agencies, CVS and Radio Shack, and the aforementioned MLB and American Cancer Society websites. <laughs> Ongoing structured negotiations efforts began last year with major pharmacy retailers including Walmart, Target, and CVS on the issue of providing accessible prescription information 
and similar discussions have recently begun with Rite Aid. Laney and Linda are also involved in discussions with the Cinemark movie chain over the provision of audio description in its theaters. Requests to enter into structured negotiations have gone out to Anthem Blue Cross of California concerning its website and lack of information in alternative formats. Weight Watchers concerning website barriers and lack of a consistent program for providing alternative formats, and Walgreens regarding accessible prescription information. In fact, I'm pleased to tell you that Walgreens has just accepted our offer and will be entering into structured negotiations. ACB has been extremely busy this past year responding to several advanced notices of proposed rulemaking, ANPRMs, issued by the U.S. Department of Justice and the Access Board on various sections within Titles 2 and 3 of the Americans with Disabilities Act. In January, a working group comprised of Eric Bridges, Kim Charlson, Paul Edwards, Pratik Patel, and Mark Reichert finalized responses to ANPRMs addressing accessible web information and services, movie captioning and video description, and accessible equipment and furniture. I provided a summary of those comments by telephone at a DOJ-sponsored public hearing on January 10th, and our comprehensive written comments were submitted. You read those comments, uh, I believe, in the April form in my president's message. More recently, Eric drafted comments responding to another ANPRM addressing shared use path accessibility guidelines. What are we talking about? We are walking blind pedestrians, and those are the places where we encounter bicyclists, and rollerbladers up close and personal as they text and listen to music while moving at unsafe speeds. <laughs> I am pleased to say that we are once again working collaboratively with the Rehabilitation Research and Training Center, or RTC, at Mississippi State University. MSU received a significant grant in 2010 to conduct several research projects. ACB was asked to have a representative serve on its advisory council on employment outcomes for individuals who are blind or visually impaired. Leave it to a bunch of academics to come up with a name that long. <laughs> in late March, I attended the first meeting of that group. I'm also pleased to tell you that Michael Garrett is serving on a committee which is involved in advising MSU on a mentoring project for blind and visually impaired college students. As a matter of fact, ACB and the National Alliance of Blind Students are recruiting mentors and mentees for this endeavor, as is the scholarship committee of ACB. Since our 2010 gathering, 
several volunteers, including Janine Stanley, Larry Turnbull, and Pratik Patel, along with ACB's webmaster, Erlene Hughes, have been upgrading and modernizing our website. Fortunately for everyone here, I'm not sufficiently versed in the technical aspects of the work to provide details. Be assured, however, that when completed, ACB will have an outstanding web presence which will attract potential new members, supporters, and revenue to the organization. ACB has been heavily involved in ongoing discussions with the World Intellectual Property Organization, or WIPO, on a possible international copyright agreement slash treaty. In April, with the inability of the former chair of the World Blind Union's Mobility and Transport Working Group to continue in her capacity, WBU's president, Marianne Diamond, approached me to assume this responsibility and to develop position papers on the issues of hybrid vehicles and shared spaces in anticipation of the 8th quadrennial meeting to be held in December 2012 in Bangkok, Thailand. This is a tremendous honor, and I fully intend to show the WBU that ACB is prepared and is playing a major role within the international blindness community. As I indicated at the outset of my report, this is the 50th anniversary of the founding of the American Council of the Blind. This week, we will be hearing from several past ACB presidents. And what you may not know is that one of the stalwarts of ACB, one of the founders, Hollis Liggett, just passed away. There was a wonderful obituary which was posted by uh, Dan Dillon. If you have an opportunity, please read it. So let me conclude by mentioning People of Vision, a history of the American Council of the Blind. People of Vision is the definitive compilation of our history. In this excellent book, the events which led to our founding are thoroughly documented and accurately presented. And they have 26 men and women. I know there's some controversy. It might have been 29, but we have 26 names. The 26 men and women responsible for ACB's existence are named as charter members. And in concluding these remarks, and in honor of our anniversary, I am going to read the names of those visionary men and women. Delbert Amon, Jesse Anderson, Marie Boring, Brad Burson, Don Cameron, George Card, Al Drake, Juliet Bint Esterly, Ned Freeman, our first president, June Goldsmith, 
David Kraus, the aforementioned Hollis Liggett, Eileen Endured McDaniel, Alma Murphy, Alaric Nichols, F.W. Orell, Floyd Qualls, Reese Robron, Earl Sherry, Mary Jane Hills, but we know her as M.J. Schmidt. Euphemon Segura, Catherine Skivers, and I hope you are listening, Kathy, on ACB Radio. <laughs> Dean Summer, Florence Verkin, and Norma Wagner. We have been very lucky in the American Council of the Blind to have some incredible leaders and incredible visionaries, both male and female. We will look at our past and we will address our future. I've given you a little bit of both tonight in my President's Report, and I thank you for listening, and please take care. That was Mitch Pomerantz, President of the American Council of the Blind, recorded in Reno, Nevada, on Sunday, July 10th. The entire address by ACB President Mitch Pomerantz, along with the daily general sessions and other convention programs, may be heard in their entirety on the convention page at acbradio.org. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide on side four of the Braille Forum cassette edition and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Send suggestions and comments about this program to reports at acbradio.org. Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports.